say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the great Jameson. He scores! He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a little time off getting back into the swing of things. Unfortunately, we are getting back into the uh, swing of things today in a, a way that could not have possibly been predicted in any conceivable manner whatsoever. With the, the terrible news out of the Monday Night Football game last night involving DeMar Hamlin collapsing on the field, cardiac arrest, and everything that followed. We'll be getting into that. Still don't really know a whole ton about uh, DeMar's health and uh, status and uh, wishing him the best uh, going forward. And realistically, uh, no idea to know when we will. Uh, know something about his health or status and uh, how that'll affect the Bills and the Bengals and the NFL and all that is uh, secondary at best. Uh, But it is all stuff that plays into uh, the NFL season and coming to a conclusion, the regular season this weekend, the playoffs uh, coming up, but uh, just a... I wouldn't... Not an unprecedented scene last night in Cincinnati, but it it is one that is certainly... uh, It rarely very rarely ever played out quite like that, certainly on uh, national TV and uh, literally live uh, watching for a young man on television fighting for his very life, uh, which was uh, just uh, disturbing to watch. But at the same time, uh, I don't think many could look away last night. So we'll certainly spend a lot of time talking about uh, that today and how that is kind of affecting anything else you might want to talk about today. Our guests are Lance Meadow. He's the host of the Giants Radio Network. And uh, also hosts uh, Monday Night Football. Go figure post-game coverage for SiriusXM. Lance will uh, join us coming up at 2.30. We were planning when I reached out yesterday. Oh, we'll talk the Giants. They clinch the playoffs. Happy fun times. All of that. And we'll certainly still touch on that in regards to the Giants having returned to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Second time in a decade. But uh, also intrigued to hear how they handled it. I'm sure most were taking in uh, last night on uh, television, on ABC, on ESPN, and how it was handled there and handled uh, very professionally, it would appear, by all involved on the ESPN and ABC side of things. But uh, we'll hear what uh, Lance had to do on uh, the radio last night and certainly talk some Giants. Coming up at 3.30 today, there is a basketball game tonight. Syracuse is at Louisville, and uh, the world does carry on, does it not? We'll have all of our normal festivities around that. Brent Axel will have pregame following his show starting at 6 tonight, tip off at 7, listen over on TK99, and uh, then we will uh, be here after the game, myself and Eric Devendorf for postgame, your calls, all that good stuff, as uh, we always do. But Bob Valvano, I'd imagine that name is familiar, uh, he will join us at the 3.30, currently among other things, uh, Bob is the color analyst for the Louisville radio broadcast, so he'll join us then. Obviously, he's also Jim Falvano's brother. So, you know, exceedingly different circumstances in uh, as many ways as there could be exceedingly 
different circumstances. But uh, Bob, as uh, the family member of Jim, uh, obviously has been in the national spotlight now for, what is it? It's going on 30 years of Jimmy V. We're about a month past, a little less than a month past Jimmy V week and all the stuff they do on ESPN and with college basketball and uh, all of that stuff. But I'll be intrigued to hear from Bob kind of comparing these situations feels like the wrong way to phrase it. But, uh, you know, his his brothers fight against cancer, and obviously he passed away uh, 30 years ago now, has carried on for a very long time and led to a lot of uh, productive societal things and changes and uh, money raised and all of that. We're already seeing some of that uh, with Jamar Hamlin. He, as a college student at, at Pittsburgh, had started a GoFundMe just to hope to raise money to buy toys for kids in the Pittsburgh area for, you know, Christmas and whatnot with his goal of $2,500. And last night when all of this happened and, you know, th- this happened, almost started happening really before the ambulance had left the stadium. You know, people found his GoFundMe and said, okay, what what can we do to help? And again, his goal said a few years ago was $2,500. Uh, as of this second, so we are... Uh, since this happened, uh, what are we? Let, let's call it 15 hours. There has been nearly $4.4 million raised. $4.4 million raised to DeMar Hamlin's uh, GoFundMe. With uh, The idea was to support a toy drive in the Pittsburgh area. His family has provided an update uh, in various places today, but also on his GoFundMe, they're reaching out and thanking everybody. Uh, for their generosity and compassion and saying that, hey, this is the only place that is uh, being currently supported uh, for charitable causes by his family right now. And, uh, you know, who knows where that's going to go. I don't know if they need $4.4 million of uh, toys for kids in the uh, Pittsburgh area, as it was initially set out uh, to do. But uh, hopefully, uh, for one, uh, the main hope is that uh, DeMar, wherever, whenever it may be, today, tomorrow, a week, a couple weeks, will be okay in the long-term version of okay, whether he ever plays football again or not is secondary, but, uh, you know, there are some uh, good things that come out of unfortunate events like this that we all watched last night on our television. And uh, that is that. Uh, You know, fans and viewers and people that just saw it, I mean, it's it's a lot of people that have to be touched by something that's going on to raise $4.4 million essentially in 15 hours. There's already been more than 160,000 people that have been donated with the largest donation of $20,000 right now, which is eight times the amount he was trying to raise a few years ago when he started that. But uh, let's go back to last night. So I I don't know what y'all were doing last night, but Chiefs, Bills, it had been a very, very long weekend of uh, football, uh, you know, the, the semifinals on New Year's Eve. There's a full NFL Sunday on Sunday. There was the wild bowl games during the day yesterday. The Cotton Bowl with two lanes come back over USC was uh, spectacular. The Rose Bowl wasn't great, but, you know, it's still the Rose Bowl. It looks pretty on the TV. 
And then you get to, I mean, this is the most anticipated Monday night football game in years. I I can't even remember. I mean, there have obviously been Monday night football games that have been great over the years, but as far as anticipation going in, uh, the, how the teams were playing, what it could mean, like the, the fan bases, the this, the that, the, the young quarterbacks, the whole thing. Like this, as far as a regular season Monday night football game, the new broadcast crew, like it, it is a, a long, long time since there had been the anticipation around a Monday night game. And that's not just here in an area with Buffalo Bills fans, but this was, it, it felt like nationally, this is for Buffalo and Cincinnati. This, it, it's not like New York and LA or, you know, traditional rivals or, or anything like that. And then to have that happen is just stunning. I mean, just to tell you what I was up to last night, that. I did not happen to get the game on for a variety of reasons until literally the commercial, I believe, uh, before that drive. And that would have been, there was a kickoff, there was first down, and that was second down. So I'm just trying to get, you know, locked into the game. So, oh, 7-3, what's happened? This, oh, we scored a touchdown. What's going on here? And uh, boom, I, I literally had not sat down yet on my couch. So... The first thing you think, or I thought, when they're going to commercial is you saw the Bills uh, trainers and medical personnel were out there uh, very quickly. This is before we had seen anything on television as to what had happened. Like, you couldn't really, you couldn't, watching on TV, have had any idea what happened at that point. It was just, you, you couldn't tell. And then you see the bill, like right as they're going to commercial, I, I see like the Bills medical people are frantically waving because, you know, there's a timeout on the field. Like, the, the people and the trainers and the water bottles, like, for both teams, everybody goes out on the field and does something while they're tending to whomever's injured. And 99.9999% of the time, it's something in the grand scheme of life innocuous. Up to, an, I mean, tearing your knee in the grand scheme of life is innocuous. Like, and there could be very serious injuries, but not what we saw last night. And I don't even like to refer to what we saw last night as an injury. That was not... An injury, that's a medical event. Like an, an injury is spraining your ankle. But you see them frantically waving at each other. Like, oh, that's not good. I don't know what it is, but I know it's not good. And then you got to wait through multiple minutes of commercials. I I forget how many times they showed the replay. I'm, I'm good with never seeing it again. I'm sure as most of you are. And I doubt we will. There's no good reason to really ever show that again even if uh, all the best happens. but And I don't fault them for showing it the first time because I'd imagine, you know, just nuts and bolts of how things work on television. Like, they're, they're doing stuff in real time, too. They're trying to figure out what happened, too. Like, first time through the replay, I'm thinking, okay, man, they're frantically out there. They've got the backboards, the neck brace. They got this. They got that. And the first thing you think in the NFL, and especially with heightened consciousness of this uh, recently, is, is this a, a brain injury? Is this a head or neck injury? You watch the replay, and I don't know about how anybody else watches. I'm I'm watching. They're so in kind of slow motion. Okay, when's he going to get hit in the head or the neck? Well, that's odd. He didn't. Well, if he didn't get hit in the head or the neck, what the heck happened? Then you watch it the second time. You say, "Oh no, that is not good at all." Because he didn't get hit in a way that should make that happen. That means something really bad happened. 
And uh, that's when, you know, everything we watched last night happened with the ambulance and the players around the field. And, you know, once you saw the face of the Bills players that were nearby, it doesn't take uh, more than a couple of seconds of seeing a few distraught faces of anguish, tears, like way different faces. And I'll say that even when there's the times, and this happens more often than you'd like, but we kind of all know the drill when guy hits someone with his head, he goes down in a heap, they bring out the backboard, they take off the face mask, they're checking to see if he's got movement in the arms and the legs, and I hate to say this is old hat, but it is. You are, in many ways, desensitized to it as a, a football player and a fan in that, yeah, you don't want it to happen, but you know, you're know you aware of it, and then they get him on the cart and you go off and you know, whether the guy's all right or not, you get the thumbs up and the whole thing. And you see the players, and they're around there. And, you know, they're not happy about the situation, but, you know, they give their teammate, a, you know, a pat on the arm or something. And then the cart disappears, and they line up, and they play ball. And the NFL churns on. Like, you could tell from the second you saw the look of a Steph Diggs or Josh Allen or pick a Bills player's face last night that we were in a whole new world right now than uh, we'd ever been before. And uh, thank goodness uh, they did not show it nationally. Now, I'm sure if you're in the stadium, you might have seen something, and I'm sure there were cameras that could see it. Like, it's an NFL Monday Night Football game. There's cameras everywhere on everything. It was a broadcasting choice not to show us and a, a very good one by ABC and ESPN and all involved in the Monday Night Football productions. Like, not not to show the world. This young man, Dermar Hamlin, on the field, in distress, getting CPR for 9 to 10 minutes. Getting an AED, getting his heart shocked back to life on the field. But it, it was just stunning. And I don't know how anybody else took it in and you'd like to uh, call and share your experience of last night, 315-437-7644 remains the number here in the new year as we welcome you into 2023 here. That like, you just didn't know what was going to happen. And you sat there for an hour. Like I don't know about you. Like I didn't change the channel. You sit there, and you know you're not going to get any information. Like There's no information that's going to be forthcoming in a circumstance like that. You know they're not going to play the game. I don't know if the NFL was willing to say that very quickly. They're backtracking on it this morning as only they can. But like those teams weren't going to play that game. I don't care what anybody told them. They were not going to play that game. Nor should they. So you're sitting there like literally an hour just dumbfounded watching this all unfold, knowing you're not going to learn or hear anything uh, new. So it was just a, a wild experience last night for those. Like, should the game be made up? I mean, who cares? No, of course not. Are they going to play the game? No, of course not. Like, logistically to play the game, they'd have to play it today or tomorrow at the absolute latest. That is not going to happen. For 10 million reasons. Like, the Bills left. They're not there. They're not going to go back. And, you know... Have we been talking about it all season long? The Bills' quest for home field advantage throughout the playoffs and this and that, and was it really, really important? And Yeah. And now, not so much. Are they probably going to have to go on the road in the playoffs because of this? Yeah. 
Does it matter? Not right now. And it is just the industrial complex of the NFL. It pauses for no one. And the fact that it paused at all last night shows you how serious that moment is because the NFL doesn't stop. Much to the regret, regret of Pete Rosell, the NFL did not stop when the president got assassinated. The NFL doesn't stop for darn near anything. The NFL was exceedingly proud during the COVID year that even though they played games on literally every day of the week, they played them all. They played all 256. And that was something they touted. That was not a, a negative. That was a positive. Like this, last night, that is what it took for the NFL to stand still. And we'll all be back watching on Saturday and Sunday, and that's just the way it is. That's why we're all watching last night. I will say this on the fact of Jamar Hamlin. Not that you ever want anything like that to happen to you, but if you're going to have a cardiac event like Jamar had last night, and we don't know what caused it, there's a lot of speculation that it it could have been caused by the, the hit he received before that. I mean, it feels likely. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But unless you're going to go through an event like that literally in an emergency room of a level one trauma center, Having it happen at midfield at an NFL stadium, as stupid as this sounds, as crazy as this is to say out loud, having that happen to you at uh, midfield of an NFL stadium during a primetime NFL game is one of the best places on earth, as dumb as this sounds, to have that happen to you. Because there is a high volume of highly trained medical personnel at those games. There's an ambulance there, and uh, more likely than not, based on where the NFL stadiums are, you are a very short trip away, and Cincinnati might be uh, literally the shortest, if not one of them in the league, from a top, I mean top-level medical care. Like, the UC Medical Center is all very highly regarded. It is a level one trauma center, and if you read anything about that kind of stuff last night, it basically means, like, whatever kind of doctor for whatever kind of event you may have going on, like, they are there. They don't have to go get them. They're not waiting at home. Like, they are, there is going to be one of them there at all times. So whatever Dermar needed last night when he got to the hospital, like, a, a person that was exceedingly highly qualified in that was there. So, you know, not that there's really any good news that comes out of this until we find out that he hopefully has recovered. is that he was probably in the best situation, ironically, that he could have been for something like that to happen. And maybe we'll find out later that it would not have happened had he not been in that situation in the first place, but that is uh, neither here nor there at the moment. I'm trying to think, it's it's hardly comparable to anything I, I've seen in person. I, I think a lot have told the story of the uh, the referee that had the heart attack at the uh, Carrier Dome, then Carrier Dome, back in 2001 before the East Carolina game, uh, Jerry Bram, and a similar situation. Like They get him on the field, they revive him the hospital, I mean, literally is right down the street. And he survived. I don't believe I was at that game. That would have been my um, sophomore year in college. I, I'm going to assume I'd remember it if I was, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say I was not actually at the game. I, I'm trying to think, you know, I talk, you think about when you're in careers such as this, when you know you're going to have to go on the radio or at some point and talk about it. Like, things like that, when you're on live, that is a, a whole new ball game and I thought most involved handled it as well as they could have. 
last night, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, Susie Colbert, and you know Booger McFarland back in the studio. It was uh, emotional and few better than uh, Scott Van Pelt to take over hosting duties after that. And you know I'm leaving people out. Ryan Clark, on and on and on, uh, handled themselves very well. Lisa Salters down on the field, like down near where stuff was happening. And, like, none of these were really life-threatening situations. I wasn't even there for this one. This was a weird one a, a couple of years ago. This was ACC Women's Basketball Tournament a couple of years ago in Greensboro. And it was the year we were doing everything remote, remotely. I was sitting in a room by myself watching a screen watching this happen. And it took, like, 20 minutes when Priscilla Williams, right before the halftime of an ACC second-round tournament basketball game, like went up for a rebound and just got undercut a little bit. It wasn't anything nefarious and just landed hard on her back and whiplashed her head into the floor and the, the whole thing and was down and they the backboards, ambulances, the, the whole thing. And it, it is a very peculiar event to be on the air during that time when you have zero information. And I mean zero. And that's essentially what all the people on the air had last night was nothing. So it's uh, very strange, and uh, people, I saw people last night wonder, well, why didn't the Bills stay behind? Well, they're not letting an entire football team into a hospital. That's that's not how hospitals work. Like the Buffalo Bills just don't get preference that they want their whole team in, in the hospital. I think uh, a few years ago it was an Orange football game at Wake Forest. Uh, Tyrone Perkins, who was an Orange football player at the time, I, I believe he had a compound fracture or something like that. It was not a life-threatening situation, but it was a a very bad medical situation that required him staying behind. You know, the football team goes back home, but they left uh, uh, trainers, a couple of staff, you know, behind with him to make sure, he, I mean, they didn't literally leave him alone uh, sitting in a hospital. So not, not that you want anything like that to happen, but it was great that, you know, Dermar Hamlin's mom was there, things like that. Small things, but things that make a, a situation like that slightly uh, more bearable. With that, we'll take a break. In about eight minutes or so, we'll be joined by Lance Meadow of the Giants Radio Network. Maybe a little sound from Dr. Jennifer Haith, cardiologist at the University of Columbia, who's all over ESPN this morning, if we have time. When we come back on a, a strange, strange day here in the sporting world on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Uh, here I am as we roll along on this Tuesday afternoon in the queues. Kicking off 2023. A strange way to kick off 2023. Wishing the best for Jamar Hamblin after the uh, terrible medical event he suffered last night on the field going into cardiac arrest. During Monday night football against Cincinnati last night remains at, at last update and critical condition at the UC Medical Center. We mentioned his GoFundMe earlier this hour. Was it four point three something million dollars before? I mentioned that what? A half hour ago? Forty minutes ago? He's already passed four point five million dollars now. It raised hundred and fifty thousand dollars, give or take, in the last uh forty five minutes. Just um Amazing to see some of the stuff that goes along, at least a, a small positive thing that goes along uh, with the terrible thing that happened on the field in uh, Cincinnati last night. Uh, with that, a quick look at the Orange football team. We have not been on uh, these airwaves, uh, at least at this show. We had the postgame show, Ian Dungy, 
last Thursday evening, wrapped up the game, wrapped up the season after the Orange lost the pinstripe bowl uh, to Minnesota 28-20 last uh, week. Not not really a whole ton to say. It was a game like Syracuse should have won the game. Uh, Minnesota clearly was in it. They, they got the records for their running back in the first half, uh, took him out of the game. The quarterback got hurt. They had nothing on offense after halftime. They made one play. Uh, the whole game was the pick six and the kickoff return, and that was it. Uh, the Orange dominated the second half, screwed up two plays, and lost. That's uh, There's not really a, a ton more to say about the game than that. But, you know, the, the Orange uh, come out of that, though, into the offseason saying, okay, you know, some players have come in via the portal. I don't think you're necessarily, at least uh, from Dino Baber's standpoint, you're, you're hopefully not quite done with that. There were a couple more people that had uh, roster decisions uh, to make. Here's just a couple of uh, news and notes and uh, nuggets from uh, between the bowl game and now. A lot of it, uh, I think, happening uh, last night and this morning of uh, who is doing what. Caleb Okachuku has announced he is returning uh, for a sixth year in the Orange. Remember, leading into the bowl game, he had not made his intentions clear uh, if he would use his sixth year, if he would use his sixth year at Syracuse, if we would go do something else. But uh, Caleb is coming back to the Orange for his sixth year, so that is a key component of uh, the defensive line to be playing under Rocky Long next year. We already knew that Michael Jones would not be back. He did not play in the bowl game. He, uh, today, has accepted a spot in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, which will be played at the Rose Bowl. So Michael has made the Rose Bowl. Uh, that game will be on January 28th, so that is his uh, Collegiate All-Star game uh, leading into his preparation for the NFL Draft. The others we knew about that have been announced already, Matthew Bergeron in the Senior Bowl, Andre Schmidt, he's doubling up. He's in both the Shrine Bowl and the Hula Bowl. You get a little trip to Hawaii out of it. And Andre Schmidt, he's no dummy. Uh, Aaron Bolinski, the Orange five-year long snapper today, who had no eligibility left, has announced he is declared for the draft. Good for you, Aaron. Aaron, uh, credit to Aaron. He's a great member of the team, does a lot of uh, charitable works and whatnot. Uh, The draft is not declared for him, but Aaron has declared for the draft. He is an excellent long snapper, though. Gosh darn it. Between him and Matt Keller, the Orange have essentially had a decade of unparalleled long snapping around these parts because we have barely mentioned these guys' names and uh, what turned out to be darn close uh, to 10 years. But there, there, my friends, is your Orange football update. With that, we'll take a break. Getting to tonight's basketball game a little bit when we come back. Bob Valvano, who will be calling the game on Louisville Radio, he's their color analyst, brother of Jim. He will join us coming up today at 3.30. So there's a little preview for Hour 2 of the program, which will begin when we come back right after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Si? Let's look at this thing from a, uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. Oh, indeed has happened so far. We've spent a lot of time today, uh, unfortunately, uh, talking about Jamar Hamlin and the it's just terrible situation that happened last night on Monday Night Football Live on the field in 
Cincinnati where literally millions of us are watching on national television. We watched live on TV uh, DeMar Hamlin going into cardiac arrest, underwent CPR, and an AED on the field for upwards of uh, 9 or 10 minutes, loaded into an ambulance, transported uh, a couple of miles across downtown Cincinnati to the Level 1 Trauma Center at the UC Medical Center where he's receiving excellent care from all we understand. It's the same hospital that tended to Ryan Shazier when he was injured on the field with the Steelers a few years ago and gave him excellent care as well. But uh, no recent, in the last few hours, medical updates, uh, updating the critical condition as reported last night by uh, you know his friends, family, the Bills, the NFL, uh, a variety of sources uh, last night. So uh, more news on that uh, should it present itself over the course of uh, today. We're continuing to keep an eye on uh, the GoFundMe in support of his uh, charities, which was initially set up when he was a student at Pittsburgh. Uh, Jamar, uh, he played football here in the Dome. You know, Houston Pitt played every year. He was five years at Pittsburgh. He played here in the Dome as recently as September of 2020. Uh, right now, with his goal of $2,500 raised to give toys to children in Pittsburgh, that number is up to $4.55 million and growing right now. Basically, all of that coming since about 9 o'clock last night. Uh, stunning numbers in the last 18 hours or so of money being raised uh, for charity in the name of DeMar Hamlin and still wishing the best. We, we don't really know uh, where this is going to go yet medically. And from everything we, we've heard from doctors out there, not the ones caring for him, which is important. This is doctors just aware of potentially similar circumstances and how this plays out with heart issues, how it affects your heart, your brain, your your body. It is not straight line X, Y, Z of how this always goes. And it's not, okay, well, you did that. You went to the hospital and uh, we ran a test and here's what it's going to be for you. No, it's not like that. And there's nothing uh, hammered in a stone tablet or even chiseled with a stone tablet that we will know anything uh, definitive one way or another about tomorrow, uh, today, tomorrow, the next day. Uh, likely here in the next few days, they should be able to have a, a reasonable prognosis, it sounds like, on his health and well-being and future. But that is uh, distinctly a case-by-case basis and uh, one that I think the entire sporting world and the football world, the National Football League, will have their eyes closely on here in the next few days. So spent much of the first hour talking about that talk with Lance Meadow, the host of the Giants broadcast, post-game host for Monday Night Football on Sirius XM. And uh, good to get Lance's perspective on that as well. But right now, we've made it an awful long way here into the new year before talking about Syracuse basketball, which up until 8.30, 9 o'clock last night was uh, not the intent nor the plan. Uh, But things do change, do they not? But there is a basketball game tonight. In a basketball game that for many, many years would be a massive basketball game. It's Syracuse and Louisville. Let's go. And this year, it's it's Syracuse and Louisville. Let's go. It was a decade ago. It was 2013. This was a game. This was a, like a Wednesday night. You know, rivalry week. ESPN coming up next. Duke and Carolina. Here's Louisville. Like, for multiple years in a row, that was like a, a annual doubleheader. Here's Louisville, Duke, Carolina. Wow. Good TV night. Let's go. Ten years ago, Michael Carter-Williams took the orange down there. Ranked team number one Louisville went into the M Center and beat them. Well, 
Uh, Louisville's not number one this year. The number two, that they have two wins. They're two and twelve. Two and twelve. Started zero and nine. Have rebounded ever so slightly. Louisville is horrible. So this is a, an interesting spot for the Orange. They'll be going on the road in the league. And like, if you are anybody in the ACC this year, and, you know, Louisville's not going to go, well, famous last words. Louisville's not going 0-20 in the ACC. Probably. That would be unprecedented. But, like, if you are the team or one of a short list of teams that loses to Louisville this year, oh boy. You're not going to be feeling very good about that. Like, Louisville is bad by the numbers. Louisville is bad by the eye test. Louisville is bad by whatever test you come up with that measures basketball. The putting the ball in the basket test, they're bad at that. Last in the league in scoring, last in the league in field goal percentage. The, uh, you know, dribbling the ball around without giving it to the other team test, uh, bad at that. One of the worst teams in the country at turnover percentage. Mike Waters had uh, great numbers on that in his uh, article this morning. There's not a lot of things that involve the basketball that Louisville is good at. So this is a, like this is a tough spot for the Arts. Like road game, Yum Center, ACC, that is not supposed to be an easy W. Never has been. I'd say it never will be, except this year, right now, it darn better should be. And that's where the Orange arrived tonight. They're coming off the win against BC. It was uh, a not very inspiring first half. Mr. Benny Williams got it going after halftime. He had 16-11 and 11 in the win, and you know, we've talked about this all season long, how, you know, the team can win in games where Benny's played a little squirrely, like those games where Jesse Edwards went crazy and put up those huge numbers. Well, that was kind of Jesse, you know, absorbing his and Benny's responsibilities all at once. It is not a sustainable way to win ACC games to have to do that, you know, 17 more times this year to win games. The Orange need him. The Orange need Benny. Last handful of games here, the Orange are 4-1 in their last five. Well, Benny has had four double-figure games in the last five, and he scored three points against Pittsburgh. You get one guess of which is the game that the Orange lost in that stretch. Well, he he, he kind of got it going after halftime against BC, 16-11 and 11. earlier today. Alan Griffin was on Orange Nation. We'll be having Orange assistant coaches on uh, starting now, starting today. In fact, starting earlier today with Alan Griffin. Uh, Adrian Autry Red will be joining me every uh, Monday at 2.30 is the plan. So uh, not this week. We didn't have a show yesterday. We'll talk to Red this upcoming Monday when it will be this Louisville game and then Virginia Saturday in the rearview mirror. That came down at JPJ on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but Alan, this morning, this morning is incorrect. Early this afternoon, Alan earlier today was on Orange Nation, and here is what he had to say about one Benny Williams. I think that's one of the things that, you know, why coach rides him a little bit uh, as much as he does is because he knows it's in there. And, you know, he wouldn't be the coach that he is if he didn't, you know, expect that from, you know, Benny. So, you know, kind of moving forward for the rest of our season, if we can get the effort that he, you know, did it against Boston College, I think uh, we'll be in the uh, driver's seat a lot more uh, because uh, he played phenomenal. He's lights out. He he did a great job on the boards, uh, made his shots. It was just one of those things. It was a great sight to see because uh, that's what this team 
needs and and if we want to do anything down the stretch here you know Benny has to play that way yeah and that's uh, that's the case 17 more games to go in the regular season all conference games from here on out uh can can Benny do it on a consistent level can he do it every game you know he has the talent he's seen him he's uh, long and bouncy and skilled but it has just not been there consistently yet and that is the question that will begin to be answered once more starting tonight. We've begun to answer it like 78 times already this season. We keep beginning to answer the question about Benny Williams. We'll begin once again tonight at 7 o'clock in the Yum Center. You can watch the game on ESPNU. You can listen to the game on TK99. Pre-game coverage right here with Brent Axick. Six post-game coverage right here. Myself and Devo at 9-ish this evening. Your calls. Hopefully hear some from Jim Beheim. All that good stuff from Louisville later on this evening. With that, we'll take a break. Bob Valveno, color analyst for the Louisville Radio Broadcast, among other things, brother of Jim. Much to talk about uh, with Bob coming up at 3.30. Our fine producer, Matt, will be in here next. We'll do the uh, 411 in the 315 with Matt when we come back here at SkewSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. 